I'm Martin Wilson, and this is The Next Turn, powered by ProTurn.io. The Next Turn is the home of conversations about skiing, ski racing, and sport. So thank you for joining us in pursuit of better. Be better athletes, better coaches, better parents, and better fans. This week, conversation with Ilkan Stewart. Welcome back to the next turn. It's good to have you here as always. It's good to have Jeff Vibert and Kara Williams by my side. Jeffo, how you doing, man? Good, buddy. Hey, listen, it doesn't look like I'm doing as well as you. And the, by the background noises that we hear, you got to be somewhere on vacation. I just brought this damn bird with me. I can't keep it quiet. So disregard the bird in the background. How's that? <laughs> Kara, there's no crashing waves in your background. How are you? No, doing? definitely not. I'm good. Um, it's more winter than it has been here in Ontario. So uh, yeah, I hope you're enjoying the sun and the sand and the, the birds chirping. It's okay. I'm going to get that bird. So loud. I'm going to get that bird. <laughs> Jeff, before we get going, we've got the end of the World Cup season. What's your take on that? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of bittersweet. Like, you know, we, we look forward to it every year. Another one in the books. But man, there's some things that happened this year. Like Michaela not only tying the record, then breaking the record, then winning two Globes and the overall. So I believe that's three, if my math is correct. And then you also have Ormat, Kara, like pretty spectacular season for those folks. And then not only that, Lucas Broughton wins the Globe as the youngster, and is he ever going to come on the show? Oh, he has to. Right? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> keep begging him, you two. Keep begging him. I'll keep sending emails. You keep begging him. We'll figure it out. Um, this uh, week, we were pretty fortunate to have a great conversation with Dilka Stuick. Uh, we caught up with her while she was on vacation in Barcelona just before World Cup finals. We'll get to that. That's part of the conversation. But before we do, let's get started as we do. Jeff, why don't you give us a hard facts on Ilka Stuick? Ilka Stuick, born October 26, 1990 in Sloven Gradic, Slovenia. She made her World Cup debut in March of 2007 at just 16 years of age. She won the gold medal at the 2007 World Junior Championships in both the slalom and the combined. And then she returned to the World Juniors in 2008 and won the golden downhill. In 16 years on the World Cup, she has 21 podiums with 11 wins in downhill, super G and combined. In 2017, she won gold in the downhill at the World Championships at St. Moritz, then returned and repeated that feat at the Worlds in RA Sweden in 2019. And after battling back from some injuries, she stood on the podium at the top, not once but twice this season, and just recently last weekend in Soldu, Andorra, seems to be back to her form from those 2019 races. She seems on point. Thank you for the hard facts, Jeff. Kara, if those are the hard facts, what do you have for the story? Well, Ilka has been an all-around talent in the alpine ski circus for over a decade. And as you said, Jeff, she had early success as a three-time junior world champion in three different disciplines, by the way. And her 16-year World Cup career was marred by injuries, but she's been quietly collecting medals and titles along this way, along the way. And in this conversation, Ilka speaks to what it took her to claw her way back to fighting shape time after time. And she's been on the podium, as you said, twice this season, a full four years since her last win. And a lot has happened in terms of technology and technique. And Ilka talks about what she needed to change in both herself and her team. She also speaks to equipment changes and the ultimatum she gave her sponsor that ultimately led to signing with Kessley. She won the final downhill of the season this past weekend in Andorra, beating Crystal Globe winner Sofia Goja by over half a second. So if you don't know a lot about Ilka, you're not alone. She is sneaky fast. And at the age of 32, the Slovenian speedster is at the top of her game yet again. I love that, Kara. Sneaky fast. She is sneaky fast. So sneaky fast. Folks, you've got the hard facts from Jeff. You've got the story from Kara. Now we are going to share our conversation with Ilka Stewart here on the next trip. You're in a funky room with some green vibes yeah, to it. Yeah, curtains. Yeah, it's a really nice one, actually. Are you in, are you in RA? Uh, no, yes. I'm in Barcelona. What? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Tiny little vacation before going to Andorra for the finals. Good for you. Thank you so much uh, for taking the time to do this. Um, 
Many years ago, down in in Chile, we hopped in for some training with us a few times. So I met you uh-huh. way down there, and we stayed in that awful place in Ferrolones. <laughs> yeah, it was awful, but I have to say, people were really, really nice. I love that place. It burned down, so they re- rebuilt it. So I think it's it's uh, better now. I don't know. <laughs> maybe if it's burnt down, maybe there's a chance. <laughs> Thank you again for doing this. I understand that you are actually part of a group called the International Biatches. Is it? <laughs> yes, that's true. Do you know what the tattoo is? Is that what the tattoo? <laughs> uh, no, I don't have uh, that one yet. I have like 10, 10, 10 others, but not International Biatches one. No, not yet. <laughs> I'll get right, right to it. Um, I'd love to go through your whole career because I find your whole career a little bit fascinating, if you don't mind. I, I, I watch you ski and I think you're one of the most natural speed skiers. Your connection with the snow and like the way that you move on the snow is really incredible. Come to find out in 2007, you were, you were the world junior champion in slalom. Yes. How do you go from <laughs> world junior champion in slalom to world championship downhill champion twice talk, talk to me well, about I your guess, development how you started as a slalom skier how's that i guess i guess you missed the part 2008 i was a junior world champion in downhill i I, I was got, i was gonna get there you got this um, the combined in the slalom in 2007 and then you said to heck with it let's start doing downhill and call it good actually no i would say i never like decided or it was never planned in early development stages of skiing to be, um, let's say, to just ski one or two disciplines, so either tech or speed. At that time, we were still trying to do everything. Um, yeah, it was kind of kind of hard to, to start doing speed. I mean, hard. To me, it felt great because I loved speed and, um, yeah, I was not really scared of it. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I mean, that's still not, but uh, yeah, you you have to get used to it. Um, so yeah, actually, I so in 2007. Oh my God, that's that's a few years ago. Um, <laughs> Long time so, ago. Yeah, I actually I I think already then I put a lot of pressure on myself for for detective for speed events for the GS for for everything, and it didn't really work out that well. And then for slalom, I actually had no expectations, no pressure, and I was just skiing. So um, all the time in, in young age, we were, we were a team also, I mean, Europa Cup team. And uh, even before that was doing all the disciplines, it was never strictly one or the other. But then, I mean, through the years um, later on, it's, I mean, it's always easier to, I mean, easier. <laughs> Um, mm-hmm. to organize training for, for tech events, for slalom, for GS, because you can do it almost everywhere. Um, yeah. Yes, there, there need to be some safety procedures, like some mats, um, some protection that people don't get in and stuff like that. But for speed, it's a lot harder <laughs> to, to prepare everything. So it takes, I mean, you, you can never do it alone because it's uh, not so many places in the world that would um, allow you to train speed because you need to close like a really big part of the slope. Um, you need to do the netting, you need to do like, of course, for setting some paint, timing, um, and you need to cover all the, all the parts so that at least one coach sees you all the time. And it's, yeah, it's quite a, it's quite a challenge. Actually, I don't know how I finished in speed. I mean, finished. Why did I get there? I don't know. I I liked it. I was I was good at it. Um, and of course, still I trained GS for sure. I mean, it's been a few years since I've done a real slalom training because also my knees are not really super excited about it. Um, <laughs> so we kind of cut that one out a little bit. <laughs> um, but otherwise, yeah, once once you have the feeling, once you get to know. Um, I don't know the courses, how the ski reacts, and everything. It's just, it's amazing. I love it. 
Am I far off with my assessment of what makes you good at speed? I was saying your connection to to the snow it seems like you have really soft ankle movements in your boots, and you have got great aerodynamics, and you seem to execute your line pretty like you seem to know where you're going nine times out of ten on a course when you're skiing really well. Uh, what do you see your strengths as? Am I far off? What, um, what makes you no, good when you're good? Not at all, actually. I think you made a really good point there. Um, I mean, we've never we've never had an option or possibility to go, I don't know, to wind tunnel, to test the top, to do everything until later on in, in my career. Um, so I was just following my instincts, actually, how to be aerodynamic, how to try and go fast and really feeling the ski. Like every ski, you need to give it something that gives you something back, you know, rebound, uh, acceleration, everything. Um, so actually, yeah, just followed my feelings. Of course, you need to learn how to, how to see the line. And then this also it variates a little bit. Like if you're a really good, uh, like daily shape or really good in form, then you can execute aggressive line. If you're not, I don't know, feeling that great or not that confident, sometimes you take more space, but this, yeah, it, it's hard to learn actually. And even for me, it's um, not always easy. This I have to say, especially now after uh, the three races we had in Fitfin. Uh, especially Friday, I was, <laughs> I don't know, I had so much stress uh, where I had to go, how the course goes, goes and everything. I was thinking so much about it that I forgot how to ski. And that, like, at the end, what came out, yeah, I did some mistakes as well, but I lost so much time because it's after many years on the World Cup circus. Kidsville <laughs> uh, was one of the um, new courses for me. And uh, yeah, I was so Friday was really stressful for me. I have to admit, <laughs> but otherwise, <laughs> yeah, you made a you made a really good point there. I don't know if you know this. You've been on the World Cup for half of your life, if I do math correctly. Oh my Did god! Did you know that? Did you know <laughs> a that? Long time. No, I didn't know that. Thank you. Confirm if I'm wrong. You're you're 32 ish now, and you, your first yes. World Cup was when you were 16. Exactly. Holy cow. That's, that's a lot of life at that level. Um, starting at a young age. Yeah. But I have to add a little something here. If I count in all my, all the seasons that I missed because of injuries, I'm about, I'm around 28. So I'm not that old yet. (laughs) I don't think, I think you have to add those to your life. You can take them away off your world cup time, but you add them to your life. Okay. All right. On that note, you have gone again, a really fascinating career. 2017, you won the world championships in downhill. You got hurt shortly after, missed the next year. You came back in 2019. You won again at the world championships. You got hurt again shortly after. <laughs> and that recovery took a little bit longer from 2019 yeah. for you to find your way back to the podium just a few months ago, four years I don't want to rip off the Band-Aid and and make scars here, but what happened in those four years? What were you going through and what did you have to put back together? Like there was a lot, not only your injuries, but there's a switch of ski brands and um, all sorts of other stuff. Could you talk about those 2019 to 2023 (laughs) and how, how you managed to get back on top? Sure. It it doesn't hurt anymore. It's not it's not a okay, good. that painful scar. So <laughs> no worries. Um, yeah. So soon soon after my uh, injury after World Champs in Ore, so 2019, um, I realized that uh, no matter how successful I was with the team I had at that time, it's a good point to change some stuff because every now and then, yeah, you need to. I mean, at least I do, not everyone, but um, I had a feeling that I need to make some adjustments, change some people that are like in the close team traveling around the world. Um, 
And so, yeah, I um, changed the, or I replaced my coach. Um, also, I got a new technician. So the whole dynamic of the team was uh, different. But then at the same point, so until I got injured, I was still racing with, with the old skis uh, I had from Steckley. They were um, like the old models with very old bindings, but that worked perfectly for me, for my way of skiing. I, I loved it right away. Um, but yeah, like everything also there, they were developing new skis, developing new bindings or everything was moving forward. And then they said, okay, now it's maybe the time that you switch to new skis. So when I came back after the, after the rehab in 2019, um, all of my skis were new and all of my bindings were new and all my plates were different. So I didn't really switch ski brands at that point, but it was something You just totally started different. again. Yeah. <laughs> so it was, uh, again, building up from, from zero. And coming back after the rehab, you don't, you don't have the feelings you had before. You have to wake them up. You, your body needs to remember um, what's its original job. And uh, yeah, that took... It took me a really long time to kind of like start trusting myself with the with the new equipment and everything. Um, and then, yeah, it was all of the time there were some, some little issues we actually had, but um, yeah, we were trying to solve them, trying to figure out the way what works best for me. But somehow we just couldn't put everything together. And this was going on, and it was going on, and it was going on, and two mm -hmm. seasons have passed. <laughs> Nothing. I mean, I did make a few good results, like some top 10 places, but this is not what I'm there for. I, I had a feeling, okay, I still can do it, just this is not working anymore. I mean, everything we've been together with Shekli, I was just, okay, thank you. I'm really grateful for that, but I need something else. So last year... At the finals, um, I I let them know that I'm that I'm either switching skis or I will stop skiing. <laughs> and yeah, at that point I was like 24, um, downhill in the world, super G. I didn't make any points, and uh, GS I wasn't starting anyway. So um, I would say my uh, my starting point. <laughs> To try and get um, some new equipment. Not a great negotiating really point. Great. No, <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> so then all of a sudden comes uh, Kilian, my manager, and he's like, oh, why don't you try Kessler? I'm like, okay, I don't really know much about this brand. I just noticed that on the Olympics, um, uh, Solos, um, at least from, from his side, he did really, really well in combined. And even in downhill, he was less than two seconds behind or, or something like that. So he's like, okay, maybe they know what they're doing. Mm -hmm. I'll go for a test. I will try. I'll see how it goes. And actually, once it turned out perfectly already when I switched from, from Rossignol to Stöckli. So why not again? And yeah, here we are a few months later. <laughs> um, yeah, so it, it clicked. Right away, I have to admit, I really love the equipment. Um, I really love how the ski works. And I was just like, okay, I can work with that. It's a good start. So now we are just, uh, let's say, almost starting from zero again. And you literally started this season on the new brand, and it was coming right out of Lake Louise, yeah. which is a, it's a cold snow, really tough surface to get the skis right, very few um companies get it right there you had some yeah. pretty decent success there a top five right correct yeah. and then you go to saw moritz and you walk away with your first podium in four years right so yeah so apparently something works right <laughs> i mean yeah it was um so with the skis came came a new technician and also in, in spring i decided okay i'm um, of course, my mom is staying with me. My physio is staying with me. It's uh, but it's also time for a new coach. So I I decided I will take a chance and give an opportunity to an uh, ex athlete, <laughs> Marco, 
Ukicic, and he was still racing last year, this time, I think. So I was like, okay, you know, at least, <laughs> at least he really knows how this is because sometimes I, I used to make a joke when, when the coaches were like, do this, do that, do this. And I was like, okay, you show me, you do it, then I will do it. <laughs> but now, well, I can't say that anymore. He's got some credibility. He's yeah. got some credibility. Yeah. What do you, um, it, it seems yeah. really interesting that you're able to make these bold choices, these bold moves. A lot of athletes are very superstitious yeah. and, uh, and time after time, it has to be the same. That doesn't seem to bother you much. What makes you think, what happens, what causes you to, to think you need to make a change? What's happening before you think I need to change things up? And what is it you hope to get out of a change? Is it just a fresh outlook? Is it a fresh start? Is it a bit of new energy? What is it you're looking for? Actually, that I start thinking about some things that I need to change is when something is bothering me for, for a long time. And I always start with myself, what I should be doing differently or what I should change or I should think differently, I don't know. But I, I always start for myself and then I see, okay, this, I'm doing my best. This works, but after all, I mean, as an, as an athlete, you need a team. They're there for you. And we are all motivated. We are all like, mentally trained as well, mentally prepared for most of the things <laughs> that, are, that are going on later on. But sometimes, or many times, you need the team there to, to give you that extra support. Because I always believe in myself, but I also need them to really believe in myself, in, in me, sorry, and, and go that extra mile. That they also see if sometimes I don't know, I need a hug or I need a punch in my face or whatever in, in these different moves that, that they try and help me make the best out of it. So that I kind of, um, that they help me to be the best actually. Because you, you cannot do this without the team, without the, without the support, without the trust. And with the, um, old decision that you said <laughs> actually once um once i decide something it's it's decided it's done i don't look back um i'm just like okay let's let's just do it let's get on with that it at some point it can get any worse so <laughs> why not mm -hmm. let's let's try that way we'll give it all if it works out perfect if it doesn't we gave our best this may be a weird question. Are you better now than you ever have been? Are you as fast as you've ever been? Do you have a Do you have the best equipment you've ever had? Do you have the best team around you? Twenty eight, not thirty two, right? You're twenty eight <laughs> years old, right? So twenty eight year, years old. You've you've you you figured out what you need around you and what pushes you and what support you need. Have you ever been better situated to ski fast? I wouldn't say better or worse or let's just put it different. Yes, okay. I am. I'm definitely older than uh, I was in my best uh, 16, 17 season. But on the other hand, um, I'm more experienced. I know exactly what I want from people around me so that I can focus on, on my things. And like I said, I don't, I don't think about other stuff later. I do my part, they do their part. And at the same time, everyone is still enjoying it. And um, yeah, it's just I'm not better or worse. Oh, that's a tough question. I'm just, I would say I'm just me. I'll let it slide. <laughs> I'll let it slide. Do you know where you, what you need to do to get better? Mm, yes. You must. Can you share that with me? <laughs> <laughs> just, 
um, well, there there isn't a lot of secrets or super, I don't know, um, super stuff that I should be doing differently. This I um, also realized recently that when I'm really relaxed, having fun and confident, I actually do the same stuff or even less than when I'm not that good. Because when I'm, <laughs> I mean, so much in our sport, it, it depends on the, on the results you're having. I mean, everyone is trying hard. Everyone is training all year long. Then it's, um, conditions are changing sometimes. The daily form, sometimes someone's better or feeling better or sometimes someone's Ill, uh, Ill or you have some pain. But um, you're still, everyone is doing their best. And when you're, I mean, when I'm successful, I'm I get still training, doing everything as it should be. But on the other hand, when I have some issues and I'm not really satisfied with, with my runs, with my performance or whatsoever, um, I, try, I try even harder and I think more about it and I put pressure on myself, which is not always very great, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> then you're kind of like, a, you're just turning, turning, turning and you're, you just have so much stuff in your head and you can't get it out and then you really need to like, okay, stop. I'm not doing anything differently. I'm just maybe trying too hard or try, trying to force um, this uh, self-confident or relaxation or whatsoever when obviously something is bothering me. Alpine skiing coaches know that video analysis is one of the most effective tools to improve athlete performance. But imagine, what if we could make video analysis simpler and even more effective? Proturn.io empowers you to take your video analysis to the next level by overlaying speed, acceleration, and turn data directly into your videos. This enhanced video analysis helps athletes at all levels dig deeper. With speed and acceleration right on the video, athletes can gain a more detailed understanding of the direct impact of their tactics and technique. With ProTurn, video review sessions become more concrete and easier to understand. Take a closer look at your runs and start elevating your training. Visit ProTurn.io slash the next turn to get 10% off your ProTurn starter pack. ProTurn.io, train smarter, improve faster. And now back to our conversation with Ilka Stuick on the next turn. Do you, do you know when you, like you've had 10, 10 World Cup victories, a bunch of podiums, three World Junior Golds, two World Championship Golds. Do you know when those good days are coming or do they surprise you? Well, I don't know how it was before for the juniors. <laughs> Right, some time ago, but um, I know how to how to provoke this actually. Also for for all the other races that that I do, how how to let's say how to open the right how to open the the right box where where this racing killer instinct is. How to provoke it that it that it comes out because yeah, I'm. Yeah, I'm a competitive person, of course. I'm a professional athlete, but otherwise I'm not like really super egoistic, not friendly. I'll just go this way and I will step over everything that's in my way. I'm a open, friendly person in general. Yeah. <laughs> um so yeah, I know I know the way how to how to wake up these feelings to really perform on the environment. Same question, but backwards. Do you know when you're going to have a shitty day? Um, yes. Maybe not a shitty day, but not my best race. <laughs> um, it's like I said, for instance, Friday, a few days ago. <laughs> then, yeah. then I... I'm laughing. It's Friday when you booked your trip to Barcelona. And you're like, fuck this. I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. This was fun before. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, so yeah, the first super G that we had in that we had in Quitville, um, I knew like let's say when I was on the start, I was doing my warm up, report, um, repeating the the slope in my mind, 
I was listening to the course report from my coaches and I just felt like I was thinking too much. And then I tried at some point I was like, oh, damn, this is not a good way that I'm doing. I need to force this out of my head. <laughs> and then all of a sudden you're from over thinker to, to, to trying to not to think and trying to be relaxed. But at the same time, you should be ready to attack. And it's just so many things that I just couldn't handle at that moment. <laughs> so yeah, later on, I, I mean, you have this, let's say one and a half, two minutes that you have to show that you have to show your best in a, in a day, in a race. <laughs> um, you cannot say, okay, can we just wait 15 minutes and I will be more ready. <laughs> Yeah, we, I'll have a better attitude soon. I promise. Um, how, do you, how do you go about, like with Kitvia? How do you go about learning a new course? One and and the other one is you have a new coach now. How do you? What do you ask for in a course report? And how how does that come about? Do you tell him like I want to know this information, this information, or is this this is what he thinks, and you listen to what you want to listen to? So two questions, how do you go about learning the course? And then what are you looking for before you, you take your kick at it? So learning or remembering the new course, it's actually not that hard because um, like I said, I do a lot of mental training as well, like with, um, with meditations, with um, visualization. Also all the, like, all the courses that I know already, all the feelings that I have when I'm skiing. So then um, learning a new one, I take a bit more time on, on inspection. I mm -hmm. hike back up a few more times maybe, or um, yeah, ask maybe someone that was there already, like Marco, for instance, now, because <laughs> he was an athlete. He's right handy here. this year, so, isn't he? Very yeah. handy. <laughs> definitely handy. Um, yeah, and then I... I ran and I ran the course in my mind uh, many, many times. But yeah, then you have just one chance per day to, to try it out, either if it's official trainings or, or then a race. It's not like a normal training that you can go again in 10 minutes, 15, and then again and again and again. Then you just really need to focus on what you're doing, actually. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's once you, once you, ski through so let's say after the first training um i knew what to expect like how is the speed how are the rollers how how the whole course flow is so then i just yeah um i thought about how i skied what i should do differently for the next day um so yeah that's kind of like remembering the the new course <laughs> And as far as the course report goes, do you want honesty yeah. or do you want lies? Like, oh, it's perfectly smooth, it's beautiful, go. Or, or do you want, like, no. it's bumpy as hell, you might not make it. <laughs> what do you, where are you on the spectrum? Well, you might not make it. This is, this I've never heard. <laughs> but uh, Some of you may make not make it, it alive. So, <laughs> yeah. so, you always make it alive, luckily. Yeah, true, true. Um, yeah, so this is something that you actually... Um, learn or let's say train and try out during uh, spring, during summer and the whole uh, um, preparation period. Um, and then, yeah, if you have new members, you, you talk with them, what do we prefer on start? Do we talk a lot? Do we make jokes? Do we not talk at all? Um, but yeah, I mean, everyone is from, from the skiing world since forever. Um, so they kind of like, see things and, and then they come naturally. And with the course report, um, it also depends a little bit how, how I'm feeling. Sometimes I would, sometimes I love to hear something more. And then for instance, in Cortina for, for the second downhill, um, they were, so my mom and Marco were giving me a course report and I just looked at my physio and I told her, just turn it off. That's okay. Just turn it off. I know everything. <laughs> she just turned it off. We told them later. <laughs> but I was just so so confident and I knew everything. I, I always watch one or two um, racers uh, on the TV to see if the speeds are like higher or if something major has changed. Um, 
but yeah, sometimes, especially in super G's, I would, uh, I would get some course report from my skiing friends, <laughs> which mm-hmm. is again, uh, differently than, than hearing it from, from the coaches that are, that are standing next to the course. On that note, you are the Slovenian ski team. <laughs> you are yeah. like, <laughs> you're, you're it. International um, <laughs> Yeah, the international Bianches. How much do you rely on that group for not only training pace when do you, like, and for times to train with them, but on race day, how much information can you gather from not just that group, but your group of friends and it? disadvantage to be the only one on your radio channel <laughs> can you get information <laughs> from other people i mean i don't i don't walk around listening to what other people are saying <laughs> but uh yeah i have some really really good friends that i can rely on and i always ask if they feel okay to say something really quick it doesn't need to be like 50 minutes just some basic feelings what what was going on while while they were skiing um, yeah, usually, I mean, that, that helps a lot because then you have some, you know, wouldn't maybe call it advantage, but you have some idea of, of how things are actually, um, working on that day, on, on that slope, on that snow. Um, so yeah, it, it does help a lot. Like you get to pick your, your, all your staff around you, uh, everybody around you. That's that's you right how how much how much do you manage in your own career and how much do you give to other people to manage do you do you trust a lot a lot of people to do a lot of things or do you are you involved in every part of your career uh no actually i'm not involved in in many parts of my career because my part is to train to rest then to race so i really i'm a really how to say trusty person <laughs> I trust so I really trust people around me um and once once you're in the trust circle you're there I will fully like trust you this is your job you do it if you have I don't know some questions or interests or you want my opinion or whatsoever you just need to ask but otherwise this is not the area that I'm going to go in um because I have I have my stuff to focus on and I would say this is really important. So otherwise you would have to think about this, about that, about hundred million things that would take like tiny pieces of your energy. And when you combine them all together, it's a lot. <laughs> your actual training plan. We're going to go here for four days and we're going to train this many days and this many runs. Do you just do what you're told or do you say, Hey, I'm feeling great right now. I want to do a lot of runs or, well, I'm not feeling it. I I don't, I don't want to do that much. How how do you do that? Uh, yeah. If it, if it comes to this, then maybe I'm not feeling that great. And, um, I feel it's maybe safer not to like force another round or whatsoever, because I've, I've learned that it's better to make a one run less than wait for half of season because <laughs> you get injured. Um, so yeah, I just, I do what I'm told concerning, concerning trainings. I, I, you just, I, I'm not going to psychoanalyze you here, but just from someone who makes bold decisions, but then is so trusting, it's really kind of, it's interesting. <laughs> yeah. It's just interesting. I'm not going to judge. I'm just saying it, it's interesting. <laughs> I'll switch gears here for you. Sure. A lot of athletes have been talking about um, FIS. And, and were you one of the athletes that signed the environmental impact letter? Actually, I did not because I have no idea there is something going on. I learned when I learned about it when I read it in the media. I'll leave that be. Yeah. I'll leave that be then. Yeah. My my question is this: as purely athletically. Um, to to uh, find a way to keep athletes safer and perform at a higher level. If those were the two goals, greater performances and healthier athletes, where would you like to see FIS go as far as scheduling? Maybe not to travel that much or try to at least keep it in, in, in one loop that maybe makes sense. Like, for instance, guys flying to America for the second time. 
this year. They were in Beaver Creek, they came back. They were there again, they came back. <laughs> I mean, it also, at this point, it's it's not super friendly to, um, to some of our uh, staff members. I mean, my coach and my uh, technician are still driving. Actually, they started driving Sunday after after the race from Quitville, uh, and they're driving all the way to Andorra, which, which takes a while, let's put it that way. Um, so kind of like keep the keep the schedule somehow, I don't know, not, not concentrated, but now that you go from this place to this place to this place and then here, maybe just try, you know, to to find a solution not to travel that much or whatsoever. What do you think of the level you've been around for some really fabulous downhillers in your day? You know, you've got 10 World Cup wins. You could have had another couple dozen if it wasn't for a woman named Lindsay Vaughn or Sophia Gogia. Maybe. How How is the sport progressing? How it seems incredibly competitive right now mm-hmm. and the limits are being pushed and what mm-hmm. was good five years ago ain't cutting it now and won't cut it in a no. couple of years. Am I no. far off with that? Nope, not really. Because when I, <laughs> when I watch some of my um, winning runs from my 16, 17 season, I just think to myself, how did I win with this run? This is, yeah, of course, I was confident. I was producing speed. I was taking speed with me. I could do anything at that moment. Um, But right now, it's really a lot of girls that it's skiing really, really well. So, yes, there there are a few that are always in the front. But otherwise, things can mix up totally. Sunday in Quitville, (laughs) for instance. Um, of course, every time that, that you win a race, even if the conditions change completely, you had to ski that. It's not that you were normally, I don't know, five, six seconds behind and then all of a sudden yeah. you're winning. It's really, really yeah. far from that. And plus, Those Austrian girls deserve full credit for that. They deserve full <laughs> credit. Totally. They were, they were skiing it. They were really attacking. They... They did the best in the conditions they had. And it's an outdoor sport. You cannot um, influence on that. So, um, yeah, like I said, it's many girls that are skiing really, really great. Um, so there is, there is actually no more room for mistakes. Once, I mean, some courses do allow some tiny mistakes because then you can like, get the speed again and get going and still fight for the, higher, for the highest rankings. But there are many courses that are so specific that there is no room for mistakes. Like nothing, zero. <laughs> it, it has to be close to perfect. And uh, yeah, this really, I would say this really makes it interesting because there is a lot of possibilities, a lot of options who can, who can win. It's not always the same people, mm-hmm. which is, I say, I think really, Beautiful. I, I, again, that level of push and, and yeah. the intensity that you specifically are, are bringing to your skiing. I got to think over the years, that's the surprising thing that, wow, I can push more. Like you probably thought you were pushing in 2017 and then you probably thought you were pushing <laughs> in 2019. And now you're pushing at a level that you couldn't have guessed a couple of years ago. Can you imagine how hard you're going to have to push over the next couple of years and what, like the physical forces, the line commitment, the, all of it, the level of push. When you think of that, does that make you go? Yeah, let's go. Yeah, actually it does. Now, now that you ask, because I, I, I didn't really thought of it that way as you, as you brought it right now, but definitely always even when you're winning you feel like oh I could add a little something there or bring more speed here or I made a tiny mistake there it's never totally perfect run okay Odermatt does it sometimes 
or Kilde. <laughs> once, once I saw it. <laughs> or Michela. <laughs> but um, for, I mean, for, for when you're winning, you're still like, okay, I won, but still I could do better. This is not the best. Yes, it was the fastest of the day, but still you can push more. But yeah, even in, like you said, in 17 and in 19, two years in between, even when I was doing rehab, all of the, all of my competitors, they were not, they were not resting. You know, everyone was trying to get better. Everyone was trying to get, I don't know, um, stronger, faster, jump higher. I don't know, what, whatever suits for, for everyone. And it's, um, it's really, like I said, not just skiing, all the professional sports are um, like gladiators. You know, everyone is fighting, everyone is getting better. And I don't actually know where, where the limit is for, not for myself, not for, not for anyone else. I mean, you see it when, when you ski sometimes, it doesn't work out, you go over the limit, you crash. It's sadly a part of sport, but then you learn, okay, this is this is something I need to work on. It is so nice to chat with you, and it's so nice to see you um, find your top gear again. Um, I've been cheering for you for a while, and over the last few years, I know it's been tough, but to see this year, you get your comeuppance and get what you deserve, if you can use the word deserve, or get what you can get, Get what you steal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, it, it's really great. Um, I really, I really thank you for this conversation. Thank you. It it's been it's been fun to get to know you a little bit and uh, yeah. and see your personality. Yeah. And it is so fun to watch you you go. And yeah. again, I think you, you. I, I think you you're just a pure downhiller. And it's one of the downhillers that's fun to watch that doesn't make my heart explode. Like I like watching Sofia Gogia, but like. It scares me a yeah, little bit. Yeah, I think it, it scares everyone. <laughs> but, yeah, like thoughts and prayers to her coaches, huh? Like what are, what are their per coaches? Jump. <laughs> uh, <laughs>Welcome back. Thanks so much to Elka Stuck for a great conversation. It was nice of her to take some time on vacation before she goes back to winning on the World Cup to have a chat with us. So that was pretty cool. It is now time for our Swix Thoughts of the Day. As we normally do, I would encourage you to share your Swix Thoughts of the Day with us at thenextturnpodcast.com. And speaking of sharing some of those thoughts, Kara, before you get to yours, why don't you share a little bit from the mailbag? Yes, Kathleen Robertson of Deep Haven, Minnesota wrote to us and she said, AJ Guinness story could be a movie. Seriously, it doesn't get better than a guy gathering his buddies and making his own team, traveling the Alpine World Cup together, trying for redemption and succeeding. This type of movie everyone loves. I thoroughly enjoyed hearing these three guys tell their story and they, how they work together as a team to succeed. I look forward to every episode you put out. Thanks for spreading the love and knowledge of Alpine ski racing. So thanks, Kathleen, for sending that in. You will receive a Swix Thoughts of the Day swag bag for sending those to us. And I couldn't agree it, more. That was great. We're, I, tell me those movie rights aren't any sold, right? They must have been. That story After has school been special written. coming your it way. Sh- it should be. Kara, uh, let's get to your Swix thoughts of the day. What are you thinking? Where's your head at? Well, God, I, I love myself an international biatch. And I know, I know you have some questions about that, Jeff. <laughs> um, well, I don't know about you guys, but I really didn't know a lot about Ilka before this interview. Um, but I certainly always sit up when I see her in the start gate. Uh, from overthinker to forced relaxation, she really nailed it when she said, you have this one and a half to two minutes that you have to show your best in a race. And you can't just say, can we wait for 15 minutes and I'll be ready? And I think that probably ties into what she said about provoking her killer instinct, like on demand. And she's able to adapt incredibly well. Imagine going four years between podiums. Think of the changes in technique that she would have had to made in order to stay competitive with the best in the world. And like she said, when things needed to change, she started with herself before looking to her team. She does her part, they do their part. 
And listening to her speak, she kind of presents to me like a team of one. And I guess that's because she's essentially is the women's Slovenian speed team. And we've spoken to several outliers this season, like AJ Guinness, Zorinka Lucic, Albert Popoff, and Lara Kulturi, essentially teams of one. And what they all have in common is that they're flexible, flexible to train with other nations and not be confined by the sheer logistics of being part of a large team. I'm sure it's really lonely at times, but I find it fascinating to see that there are so many of these small nation athletes punching their way through the World Cup ceiling. Karen, smart stuff. I like that. Jeff, it's your turn. What are you thinking? What are your Swix thoughts of the day? Well, as always, I can never compete with Kara's thoughts of the day. She's just such a pro. And uh, uh, I will touch on a few of the things that Kara talked about that, you know, stood out to me. I mean, to, to make the World Cup at 16 is, as Kara said, you know, they're a bit of an outlier. Um, she fought her way through back through injuries. And, um, as we know, she has an amazing touch on, on snow and just showed us again at the finals in Seoul do. And if you haven't seen that run, please YouTube it. It's incredible. I don't think she ever scrubs a turn on that entire course. At least I didn't see one. Uh, the other thing is, is that it took her nine years, almost nine years to actually win on the world cup. She did it back to back at Lake Louise and then stomped on it again the next week in Val back to back there. Uh, and she was a force then, uh, winning, you know, the, um, world champs in 2017 and 2019 again. And here she is back. It's great to see her. And the last thing I'll talk about is one, one thing we don't really talk about is like, it's hard for these folks to train, uh, downhill and speed. You're basically doing it at, you know, a couple of days before the event, or you're finding as Kara said, other teams, like the group of international biatches, which I'm assuming uh, is how that started and training with, you know, the likes of Mary Michelle and a few others, as you uh, certainly know about Martin. Jeff, that's funny stuff. Um, that international biatches group is super important when it's a little bit flippant, but that connectivity from s- small group to small group, both of you touched on that. I find that really interesting, like the pros and cons of the small teams and, and, and like, like I said, both of you hit on all those points there. I, 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 I love talking to her. She, she's somebody who her personality is effervescent. It's, it's fun to be around her. I like her spirit, her grit, and, and her perseverance is, is impressive. And her longevity in the sport, um, 16 years of the World Cup is, is one thing, but starting at such, at such a young age um, doing it is, is really impressive. And Jeff, you touched on it. It's really impressive to me when she finds her groove, she really finds her groove. She found it in 2017, got hurt, found it in 2019, got hurt. And after that long road back, she's finally finding her groove again. So watch out, watch out. 33 may be a big year for Elkish to it. Those are my thoughts of the day. Leave that there for this week. As always, we encourage you to share your thoughts of the day with us at the nextturnpodcast.com. But for now... We'll see you soon here on the next one. Be well.